Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World from Radio New Zealand National. Let's start the show with breakfast and the things you can eat to manage your blood sugar levels. When you eat foods that have a lot of carbohydrates in them, including breakfast cereals or bread, your blood sugar levels go up, sometimes in a sharp spike. High blood sugar levels are not good for your health, and food scientists have ranked different types of carbohydrates, for example starch or refined sugars, by their glycemic potency. At Plant and Food Research, John Munro and Suman Mishra have come up with a way of testing whole foods or combinations such as breakfast cereals and kiwi fruit for their potential to raise blood sugar. And I put up my hand to have my blood sugar levels tested before and after a starchy breakfast. It's not going to hurt at all. You just look away, look at John. It's <laughs> more painful. Very, very painless. And it's easy as that. So it's also quite a quick reading, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's very, very, very quick. It's 6.0. So then, after that, the next step is the um, fun part. Now, well, we'll get you to eat the scone, which consists largely of starch. Okay, that looks like a huge scone. Yes. Do you is. weigh it in grams? 170 grams, mm. but you don't have to eat it. Well. Five, 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 yeah, that's, yeah. I'm now expecting my blood sugar to go up and then drop down again and then I get into the, you know, below the baseline tiredness and crankiness and all these things. What is it about blood sugar that, from a health perspective, you're interested in? From our point of view, because we're food scientists and nutritionists, we're interested in identifying the factors in foods that prevent the food leading to a high blood glucose peak. When you get a very high concentration of glucose in the blood and in the tissues, you tend to get a very rapid throughput of products into the mitochondria, which are little energy organelles in our cells, and they produce free radicals, which are harmful, and they, um, they tend to inhibit an enzyme that's part of the pathway that gets rid of glucose or metabolizes glucose. And because that enzyme's inhibited, the glucose gets um, shunted off into subsidiary pathways. And a number of those produce um, harmful products that interact with proteins throughout the body. Others produce activating factors that also interact with a large number of molecules throughout the body that are involved in uh, biochemical regulation. So you get a sort of generalised systemic dysregulation um, and that leads ultimately to the sort of um, wide range of complications that emerge with long-term untreated diabetes. So the current trial that you're looking at is really to look for foods that would lower that peak but also smooth it out a bit so you don't go too high and not too low either. Yes, that's right. And there are um, a number of ways we can do that and we can sort of talk about that and show you how we investigate them in the lab. There's controlling particle size or including ingredients that slow down processes going on in the gut like mixing and diffusion. So they slow down the rate at which the um, 
glucose that's produced by digestion is transported to the intestinal wall and they may um, react with the digestive enzymes to partly neutralise them. So there's quite a number of things. Now, you wouldn't be back here for the next finger prick in 20 minutes or so? Yeah, we'll do one now and then we'll go to the, the lab. lab. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. good. Let's so do we'll that. do your first 15 minute finger prick. Good. So it hasn't gone very high at the moment, and this is very normal. In some people, it doesn't go high very much at 15 minutes, but you'll see between 30 and 45 minutes, that's when you'll Well, I have my peak. Yeah. So, so far, so good. So All right. far, so good, yes. Yeah. So let's spend yeah. that bit of time looking in the lab. Yeah. Okay, okay well, we're in the, uh, what's called the food functions lab now, and this is where we do our investigations into the properties of foods that affect carbohydrate digestion. And we'll go around here. Shall I put this one on? Oh, yeah. What we do here is actually, it's got a lot of applications. We can look at the effects of different dietary fibres with different properties on the digestion of carbohydrates from the foods that they're incorporated into, the effect of milling to different particle sizes because the particle size affects the access of enzymes to the starch. But we can also construct particles of a particular geometry that we might want to have a particular blood glucose rate of impact. So this is really a, a mechanical process that you're simulating here, the mixing it's and grinding the phys- up of physical effects on enzyme activity against the carbohydrate. But there's also, uh, there can be chemical involvements when, you, when you've got phytochemicals from different um, coloured fruits, for instance, or extracts from seeds that might inhibit the enzymes, and we've done some work on that. So what you really want to find is the foods that people would consume in an everyday way, but figure out how best to combine them. Yes, that's right. That's very important to uh, look at the combinations, and that's what we've been doing in this lab, and I'll show you our little system that we use. You can hear it makes nice intestinal noises. My gut wouldn't make noises like that. (laughs) These four parts have got bread in. You can see in that one the bread is pretty well dispersed. And that's only got the stomach enzyme in, which doesn't break down the starch, but it shows the digestion of the protein. In this case, it's um, the gluten has actually caused the bread to fall apart. So by, by the time the stomach's had a go at the bread, it's just a thick gravy almost. So that, this is the gastric phase, what, what happens in the stomach, and that is the small intestine phase. Yes, you see we neutralise the acid here and then we add pancreatin, which is a, a, a mixture of enzymes of the small intestine, plus another enzyme, and that's when the starch starts breaking down. So we take samples out at various intervals like uh, 20, 40, 60, 120, 180 minutes. We take a um, usually a mill aliquot, a sample of one mill, and put it into four mils of ethanol, and that precipitates all the undigested carbohydrate. So you know what you've put in at the start, and then you can yeah. keep measuring how much is still yeah. there, not broken up. Yes, it gets precipitated out. We can store that until we've got all our samples for the time course, and then we measure the sugar in the um, top part. So we get these nice curves. But then we put in some lines that represent um, what the body would be doing with the glucose because you get a build-up of blood glucose when the glucose disposal by your liver and muscles 
can't keep up with what's being loaded into the blood. These lines represent glucose disposal, and if you take the difference between what's being taken out, in other words, the glucose disposal and what's going in, you get these nice curves. And they're very similar to blood glucose response curves. This is from the in vitro data, in vitro work, and you'll see your blood glucose that we are measuring would be very similar to Hopefully, that. yeah. <laughs> we were looking at bread in the machine at the moment, but you would be going through different types of breakfast cereals or different muesli yep. types, you know, where there's already a combination of yes. carbs and fruit. Yep, we've done work with that when there's a lot of fruit in there, there's also a lot of uh, sucrose and fructose, which doesn't have the same blood glucose-raising potential. And so that gives a lower glycemic response, and that will give different profiles in our tests. And uh, there's a little bit of fear of fructose at the moment because it's been associated with obesity, but, but the kind of uh, amounts that you get in normal healthy intakes of fruit are not harmful at all. In fact, we've evolved to handle glucose and fructose together in our digestion. So the concerns about fructose were not so much in the context of natural foods, it was in the context of processed foods, no, where it's, um, in, it's used yeah. as a sweetener or as an additional... That's right, there's a, a lot of high fructose syrups used in food products, and um, the intakes of fructose are higher than they would naturally be. But, but when the fructose is consumed, as it would naturally be, fructose means fruit sugar, so when it's consumed in fruit, it's usually with an equal proportion of glucose. At those sorts of intakes, the, the two um, cooperate, and fructose actually helps in glucose disposal in the body. Have you found any particularly promising pairings when you're thinking of the usual breakfast with some sort of cereal, bit of fruit? Speaking generally, the um, pairing of something like kiwi fruit with a starchy food, including breakfast cereal, if you do the pairing in such a way that you keep the carbohydrate intake constant, we've done some trials where we've substituted kiwi fruit carbohydrate for um, starch in a, in a starchy product, and it's been quite beneficial in terms of glycemic response. So you're really seeing that glucose peak soften, right. which is what we yeah. want really, isn't it? Yes. Just thinking of it in terms of New Zealand exports, we don't want people to become frightened of kiwi fruit because it's a sweet tasting fruit and thinking that it's got a lot of sugar and it's going to be harmful. If it's incorporated into the diet the right way it can be very beneficial by lowering the glycemic response and also increasing the uh, sort of balance of nutrients, increasing vitamin C intake for instance. And in countries like China where you've got a lot of over half the population's pre-diabetic at present you've got the um, damaging processes already happening in the body, so you want to try and um, counteract those processes that are going to lead to diabetic complications in the long term. I think it's a great opportunity for kiwi fruit to be seen as part of a change in dietary patterns or just making diets healthier by including more fruit instead of uh, cereal products. And after all, that's probably what we evolved to eat, really, more fruit than cereals a long time ago. Our physiology is probably more suited to that. Speaking of which, should I be having the yes, next blood sugar test? Alright, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's we go and do the next finger yes, break. Yes, yes. So we're now test number three after half an hour so now. It must have peaked here and now it's on the downhill.
This is exactly what we don't want. It's because when the carbohydrates that you eat that are very rapidly digestible, this is what happens. Your blood glucose comes crashing down, and this is what is happening. You can see your own profile here. We started, your baseline is around 6, and within 45 minutes, it's come down to 4.5, which is well below the baseline. baseline. Knowing all of what you know now, what do you eat for breakfast? Seriously, you don't want to know. <laughs> I like to eat a bread which is locally produced here in Palmerston North. It's very rich in grains, but I make it a bit unhealthy by putting loads of peanut butter on it. How about you? Well, I have um, sort of whole grain oats with wheat bran and wheat germ and yogurt on. Serious? That sounds yes, very healthy. Yes, no, I do. It works very well. <laughs> and every now and then I uh, have a full English breakfast just to make up for it. That was John Munro and Suman Mishra, who are both at Plant and Food Research in Palmerston North. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.